0: Hey, everyone. Today's episode of Product Explained is brought to you by Exponent. Interested in pursuing a career in tech? Exponent can help you with coaching, courses, and community for aspiring young professionals. Check out Exponent today at www.tryexponent.com. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products, companies, and how we like to think about them as product managers. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee.
1: And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. So hey Jeff, on a scale of one to 10, how demoralizing is it to receive taunts from your mom through the Fitbit app?
0: I'd give it like a 10,000 steps out of 10,000 steps.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I love that I'm able to compete with my mom, and it's also extremely motivating to get a taunt and help me get off the couch whenever I receive that taunt from my mom.
0: Yeah, in today's show, we're talking about Fitbit, a consumer electronics and fitness company focused on activity tracking. So, Mike, what is Fitbit?
1: Yeah, so I think it's super important that you put the a consumer electronics company. I know that after the IPO, they made it, the CEO made it very explicit that they're a consumer electronics company. But for this episode, I'm going to call them a fitness company based out of San Francisco, because I think that's what they what they truly are. Mm-hmm. Fitbit makes both hardware and software. They are recently getting into fitness content as well, from guided workouts and coaching uh, to healthy recipes. Uh, I think, primarily, when you think Fitbit, you think about their hardware products. And I think the hardware products that they created were some of the first widely used uh, and adopted wearables. And these were the products they were making were essentially small devices that can track your physical activity. Recently, these devices got even more complex, they added a ton of new features. From heart rate monitoring to GPS tracking, temperature, blood oxygen, sleep, basically, you know, packing a whole lab onto your wrist. So in terms of pricing, Fitbit sells their devices from their basic fitness trackers at around $50 to their latest 2020 smartwatch, the Fitbit Sense, that roughly goes for the $300 price range. And like any good tech company that we've been reviewing, they also sell a subscription service along with their hardware So they also offer an $80 a year Fitbit Premium, which they say helps you stay active, sleep well, and manage stress. Some of the features that you get with Fitbit Premium is advanced insights into your fitness tracking, stress and mindfulness techniques, sleep tools, games and premium challenges, workouts, and guided programs. On top of their Fitbit Premium subscription that they offer, they also offer a $55 monthly subscription that also adds one-on-one health coaching. And this is my first time seeing this. I thought this was super interesting to add that extra premium boost on top of Fitbit premium for that one-on-one coaching.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I was a Fitbit user, and I'll talk about that in a bit, and had moved off of the Fitbit platform. And I didn't realize that they had started offering all these kind of subscription and premium level offerings since I'd left. So we'd love to dive into that a bit more later on in the show. A bit about the product and the history of the product. They were founded in 2007 by James Park and Eric Friedman. Uh, their first product was a Fitbit tracker, and as Mike said, it's as simple as a step tracker, that you know, activity tracker, step tra- step monitor that Bluetooth synced to your phone, and you know, eventually just just gave you a number, a, a number of steps that you know, depending on how often the accelerometer moved, they were able to tell you how many steps you had. It was fairly accurate depending on how you wore. Uh, that tracker. And as Mike said, that was kind of their MVP and had had expanded to now $300 smartwatch trackers. They IPO'd in 2015 for $358 million. Something that's interesting is that they partnered with Adidas to release an Adidas branded Fitbit, Ionic. That was in 2018, if I hadn't mentioned that, which is very similar to the strategic move that Apple Watch did to partner with Nike. Nike has a Nike-specific branded Apple Watch, which honestly doesn't really look that much different from a regular <laughs> Apple Watch, <laughs> except I think the band's a little bit different. It's, it's all about the swoosh, man. You just got to do it. And uh, in 2018, they partnered with, we've seen this in another episode recently, they partnered with the health company, Blue Cross uh, Blue Shield, to include Fitbit uh, trackers in their Blue 365 program. You're seeing a lot of other healthcare companies start to give some sort of discount on their premium if you're you know watching your health or you know they'll give away these trackers for free. Something else that's kind of interesting, which was a little bit of a pivot, was in 2020, Fitbit produced what's called a Fitbit Flow. It's not a consumer product by any means, but it was actually a ventilator uh, in response to COVID-19. So, that's if you really remember, cool. yeah, it was really cool. If you remember, in the U.S. at least in 2020, there was a ventilator shortage, and there was requests for ventilators to be made, and some of the companies started to shift gears and make ventilators in response to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Fitbit was one of those companies. I know Tesla. had at least purported to do something similar. I don't know if they actually did, but Fitbit had made a (laughs) Fitbit flow and it wasn't necessarily meant to be a replacement for true ventilators, but meant to be an alternative for um, some of the higher costs. Some key acquisitions that Fitbit had made over the years, uh, one of the bigger ones was Pebble. Pebble was another, I would say lower end activity tracking company that people were kind of interested in. So they had acquired Pebble. And if you notice, if you look really closely, a lot of the watches started to look like older Pebble watches. Uh, They kind of had that rounded edge squared look. That was pretty much a departure from the previous Fitbit design. I feel like Um,
1: Pebble was the OG Kickstarter hardware success story turned failure because they (laughs) they
0: couldn't fulfill all the orders that they had. (laughs) They, They had this crazy demand. Yeah, yeah. And you know, obviously, there's a lot to be said about other wearable tech startups, and we'll talk about some in the competitor space later. But you know, another thing that's interesting is that Fitbit has actually been used in a couple court cases to prove that murders had occurred. One in 2015, 2017, and 2018. I'll give you one example here. One of the more notable cases was where the victim, which was a woman, her heart rate had actually spiked when the murderer was proven to have visited her. And it was noted that her heart rate stopped five minutes before he left. So the the investigators were able to plan out uh, a timeframe for when the murderer came, when he actually murdered this woman, when she had the heart rate monitor on, when her time of death actually was to kind of pin him at the scene of the crime and use that in the court case. So just something that's really interesting that's outside of the box in terms of how a fitness tracker could be used. I'm sure that that's been used now for a lot of smartphones, being that smartphones have GPS tracking and they can kind of pinpoint where you are in a lot of locations. I'm sure there might have been something similar with tile location tracking or GPS tracking devices too, but just something that's kind of interesting that, you know, is a side benefit, if you will, of activity or fitness tracker.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't hear about that one. That's super interesting. The murder case. The, the one that I heard with Fitbit was it, it was uh, Fitbit or some other fitness tracker, but a soldier at a classified base in the Middle East was running using and tracking the oh, right. running around the base and tracking like their steps either via, via GPS or just. Just tracking it on that and typically how the data is shown is just through metadata but mm-hmm. this soldier was the only soldier only person on the the the, the map so there was no me- metadata so right. you could just obviously see that someone was like circulate circulating this perimeter of the base so essentially giving away classified information right the base which is wild. Ex- exactly yeah
0: yeah it's really funny it's like there's a lot of implications and ethics and tech and, and, and how people use it so let's talk about who fitbits for mike
1: yeah so in 2019 uh, the latest stats we could find is that there's uh, currently s- over 700 million wearable devices worldwide uh, which is a crazy number of yeah, wearable that's devices nice. um, and then by 2022 so about two years from now uh, it's projected to exceed um, a billion wearable devices just proving that you know the internet of things is super pervasive you know in the home and even on your body with w- wearables like like Fitbit so you know who who is Fitbit for so it, it, For me, and I think you as well, Jeff, Fitbit is, you know, people that are looking to compete against friends, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, one of my favorite Fitbit friends and real life friends, I guess, is my mom. Uh, But I love seeing her, her updates, her taunts or her cheers whenever I hit a goal or don't hit a goal. And then she's a nurse, so she's always walking at night. So we have a little group where we compete, and so her friends are now like my friends on on Fitbit, and we we can sh- basically share like different challenges and see who had a good day and, and a bad day. So I think that that's one segment. You know, it's just like the the friends and family competitive. I think the the way that Fitbit game of their community side of the app is just, is brilliant. So I can ha- you can have stories like like I just shared with competing against my mom and then <laughs> my mom's friends all in the the hospital. But I, I also think Fitbits for fitness junkies. So folks that are just really into fitness that, you know, if, if it's not tracked, it never happened. Fitbit really gives you that key insight into the data, be it like how many miles did I run? Or, you know, how many steps did I take? Or what was my heart rate at different parts of that X, Y, and Z race? And then in the same vein is just people that are looking at getting more data so people that want you know to understand sleep tracking, want to understand like oxygen levels or anything anything else like that. I think Fitbit is filling a really interesting space with their wearable device.
0: Yeah, totally. And I want to talk about like why I personally chose Fitbit from an anecdotal perspective. And I think what was neat about it is I personally I'm always kind of like a first adopter for tech. Like I'm sure you are, Mike, with a lot of the stuff that we see. And I thought it would be really cool to get a sense for how many steps I'm taking and. in in the fitness industry, they call it NEAT. So it's basically like activity that you can do without having to do any strenuous or uh, active exercise. So things like steps or standing or things of that nature. So I was really just trying to increase my base metabolic rate, if you will, just by like walking more steps and doing that uh, actively. And then I had a lot of friends that happened to also be on Fitbit. And what was cool early on was that you can actually use a Fitbit app back in the day by using other trackers, like even just your phone, if you remember. And so it was really smart because Fitbit was trying to get people onto the platform, competing with one another in these challenges. And even if they weren't using a Fitbit product and then they slowly offer up like, Hey, if you're using a Fitbit device, you can also get this benefit and vice versa. And then people start to come on platform where I kind of fell off where it sounds like you stayed on, which is really interesting is that I had friends stop using Fitbit and stop doing challenges. So there's really no, I guess, anchor for me to stay on Fitbit. And I actually moved into using an Apple watch where I already had an iPhone. I wanted to control things like Spotify. with. I wanted a smartwatch essentially. And this was before Fitbit had really delved into the smartwatch, like full smartwatch realm. And even before then, I was looking at some of the competitors, which we'll talk about in a bit. But for me, there was no value proposition left to stay on Fitbit. But for me, like I, I really enjoyed doing the challenges with Fitbit. It's Just my friend circle just stopped using it. And so there's nobody for me to compete with anymore. Whereas it sounds like you have a continuous and ongoing and persisting group that you can do challenges with. So you are still and have recently purchased another Fitbit. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's it's true. I actually just came yesterday. So I I, I just finished uh, programming. But I definitely agree with you that there was a gap in functionality. And I wanted a smartwatch Mm -hmm. for so long. Yeah, but Fitbit just wasn't scratching that itch. I'm on team Android and Google, so I right. would not get an right, Apple right, Watch. Yeah. So I think that's what I've been holding out for is, I don't know if we touched on this, but Fitbit is under the process of getting acquired by Google. I think it's going to finish in, by the end of 2020 if it goes through the regulatory process. But I was super excited for that because I knew that I'll have that tight Android smartwatch mm-hmm. and Fitbit because I have all this existing data that I don't want to lose with Fitbit. I love right. being able to look back at like my Fitbit data and just seeing you know when I was super active and Recently, when I was living in Seattle, I did a bunch of hikes and I loved seeing those really long, really high spikes in activity on like Mm -hmm. Saturdays and Sundays where I'm hitting like, you know, like 25, 35,000 steps. That was really cool to me. But I totally hear you where I wanted that smartwatch functionality as well. And I think the reason why my community bubble stayed active was because uh, my mom being a nurse, so like her bubble was always like changing, like nurses would change different floors. So she would have different friends and we'd start new competitions and then when there was that gap in the hardware, when they needed to have that smartwatch, I I ended up going to grad school. So I just had a whole different bubble of people that I was excited about, you know, right. competing with. So yeah. I think that if I maybe necessarily didn't have that huge disruption in, in my personal life, I might not have. I might have had that same decline that you would have had.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I think uh, that's a good segue into talking about competitors too, and and how other competitors have offered different things. I, I mentioned before I moved into. I guess the Apple Watch family because I was already using Apple and I was able to use other fitness. I was just mainly concerned with the steps, the number of steps, and less concerned with the competition because the people in my inner circle weren't there anymore. So I was just using Apple for pure functionality and the ecosystem. And it sounded like you stayed on Fitbit for for similar reasons. But I'm curious, like you know, I know that Fossil, for example, has a pretty competitive smartwatch. Had you ever had you even looked into Fossil's smartwatch? I think they were like Android friendly, if I remember correctly. So.
1: Yeah, so it, it, again, it was just like nothing had a, a pure Fitbit integration. If right. I'm gonna go with smartwatch, like it might as well be a Fitbit because I didn't want to be like the nerd that had two watches on. Yeah, you know, I'd, I was I was gonna have like my Fitbit and a smartwatch. Like yeah. I probably would have like if I, <laughs> but my fiance would have just been like, take that off. Yeah, you look you obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. I know. Like you're not a, you're not a robot turning an Android. Yeah, but I think like all this reminds me just talking about competition as I would I would have loved to be in the early days when Fitbit was being ideated where I'm sure it came up. I don't know if you remember Tamagotchis.
0: Yep. Those little like
1: toys when we were in middle school, which were essentially pedometers that had a mini screen that you had to, and for those of you that were definitely dating ourselves by bringing up Tamagotchis in this, (laughs) but yeah, it was a little like maybe inch and a half by one inch device that you kept in your pocket. And I was probably in like fifth, sixth grade. So what is this like early 2000s? It had a pedometer in it, so it could count like the up and down steps per se. And then you you had to keep alive, keep your animal alive. Yeah. So your animal was called your tamagotchi, and so if you weren't active, your animal would would die. But it's funny because like you could obviously game or yeah, like fraudulently use it by just shaking it, you know, to to feed your animal and you know and and do all this. But the trick um, that I always (laughs)
0: learned was like to put it on top of your laundry machine. And so it would vibrate and then you would just get like a ton of steps done that way.
1: I, I, feel, I feel like Fitbit took that idea to like actual humans. It's like you, you know, like as a human, like you actually do need to move around and be right. able to like feed yourself and take care of yourself. And if you do not move, like you're going to have health issues. So they, they literally was like turning us into t- gamifying this with ourselves and by giving us that data.
0: Yeah. So the other part of it is the software part. And I think like there are other competitors out there that will track steps and present that data back to you. One of the big ones I can think about is Strava. And Strava, to me, scratches the same itch that Fitbit did, but in a different manner. What I like about it is now I'm seeing myself going on hikes with people, whereas I'm not necessarily competing against them because we're going on the same hikes. But I'm able to then take the topographical map and then send that or share that back with people and say, hey, look at what we did. Like, here's where we were. Here's where we had our stops. Here's the elevation changes, et cetera. And it's just kind of a cool... I guess, like scrapbook, if you will, of all the different hikes that we've done, especially during COVID. And then even, you know, when I was doing more jogging, I would use Strava as well to kind of track my jogs. For me, because I wasn't less concerned about the competition part, not because I didn't like it, but because I didn't have anyone to compete against. And more concerned about the data, I then transitioned from being a Fitbit user to a Strava user. And I use Strava a bit more because of that. And like, it gives you real time, like, hey, this person's going here and there, which I don't, I know at the time, I think Fitbit didn't give you GPS data. It just gave you steps, but probably now they give you GPS data because there's GPS integrated into the watches, right?
1: Yeah. So it's it's interesting because like that is when I, it was 2017 when I was on the fence of leaving Fitbit mm-hmm. and They came out with the Ionic and the Ionic, the Ionic watch had a GPS in it. So I actually, and that's like right around the same time I started using Strava with Fitbit. So like like Fitbit integrated with Strava so I could push my data over to Strava so I could track and like compete on the Strava platform. So like now that you're talking about it, like, I guess like I compete less on the length of the data. And like whenever I go for bike rides, I always Mm -hmm. like turn my Fitbit GPS watch on. And I love seeing like on Strava, like your ranking, it's like, oh, you're king of the mountain because you went like a billion miles an hour down this little stretch of road and knocked over a grandma. (laughs) But Fitbit, it's just like the aggregate. It's like, hey, it's like you did 10,000 steps. Like, that's good. That's great. But it wasn't like
0: that granular, like high intensity that Strava was. I like Strava because, like, even for bike rides, I- I'm not a bike rider by any means. But I've seen when they do bike rides, there are stretches, like even on like well-known trails, that Strava will actually call out, like this is a blah 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 stretch, and the typical speed is this, and you go in this direction or whatever.
1: Definitely, and it's something that Fitbit can't go as granular into. And speaking about like other competitors, it with Fitbit's new, you know, Premium Plus, uh, one-on-one coaching. It, it, they're almost tapping into your budget, your like your individual budget for that local gym that you might subscribe to or, or might be a member of. So I, I think that's another interesting play by Fitbit.
0: Yeah, obviously, we, we've covered other products on the show before, like Peloton that have done similar, you know, not one-on-one coaching per se, but classes. And I think it's really neat that they are going that route as well. How would you rate Fitbit overall as a product, do you think?
1: I think that... This is always hard for me because I don't know when to, to take the snapshot of, mm-hmm. you know, because when it first came out, the Fitbit blew my mind. I was a huge Fitbit fanboy and I had to get like the latest tracker that they had. This must be like 2014, 15 timeframe. So love the product then had a lag in, you know, between 2016 and 2018. But lately, like, I mean, <laughs> my one day review of the Fitbit Sense is sure. I, I really, really appreciate this device. But if I could sum it all up, I would give them about... A four out of five star, just 4.0 out of five for overall company technology, hardware. They had a really strong product market fit. I think it slipped up a little bit in 2016, 2017. I think it's it's coming back now that they're able to bring a lot of that smartwatch functionality into their latest pieces of hardware. Pricing, it, it feels like kind of like table stakes, their pricing. you know, It's like you pay a bit of a reduced price for a I think it's a pretty premium product at like $300 for a really nice smartwatch with a mm-hmm. ton of functionality, but what me being a hardware guy, I'm not always a fan of the subscriptions. So I'll continue to dive into that as I have the six month trial here. Yeah. And in terms of Fitbit's overall strategy, I think that it was brilliant with what they were able to do with their community and gamify the entire Fitbit process. The fact that I compete with my mom, even to this day for the past like six, seven years is is really cool. And lastly, the, the customer experience is it's been good. Like I, I can go through and I can see different dates of my my step history as well as my, my sleep history, which I find super useful. I, I know like if I was super stressed out and I can make little adjustments to my sleep. So yeah, overall, like really like the product. I think there's definitely a lot of uh, space to grow and I'm very interested to see what Google does with the product. I'm curious if they take the strategy of maybe putting it into the Nest portfolio or maybe they spin out a, a different brand. That focuses more maybe just on health. So I'm curious what the future holds for Alphabet and Google.
0: Yeah, I'll take a stab at giving my review. So, like I, I'm gonna review it as the current state because you know, for example, like Skype got a head start on everybody else on, on VoIP, and they obviously lag behind, so I'd rate them pretty low. And I think I'd kind of do in a similar way, the same thing for Fitbit, even though I won't be super harsh on them. I think that they really impressed me, being like you mentioned, one of the first premier wearable technology companies activity tracking, fitness, consumer electronic companies out there and people kind of followed their mold. And you saw like when Fitbit spun up, they kind of proved out the business model. And then you saw smartwatch companies come afterwards and they started to create more premium type items because they had the overhead and the the kind of scalability that say, Apple does. I think, you know, weirdly enough, I feel like pricing is weird for me because before when Fitbit was a middle tier item where it provided all the core functionality, but not necessarily all the bells and whistles. I really like the pricing for $70, $80, $100, you can get whatever, regular Fitbit tracker. It's just got numbers on it. The first Fitbit I had, I can't remember which one it had, but it just had a simple LED screen, which had the number of steps. It showed me when somebody was calling, whenever I had a text message, it would vibrate. Even that was like, I felt like a lot of value for what little I paid. And then it's just interesting for me that they are now competing against these higher tier smartwatch models, which I think is not necessarily the right play. And for me, the overall strategy has, I guess, dipped a bit. You mentioned before transitioning from pure hardware to a subscription based model seems like they're trying to recapture some of the some of the revenue in, in ways that maybe they're they're missing out on something. And, you know, obviously with the move to Alphabet or the acquisition, it seems like there might have been something else that they they needed to cover their bases on there. they needed some expertise. I'm not sure how I feel about them being acquired, actually. Like Google as a company has obviously had some fantastic products, but has been a bit, I guess, disjointed, if you will, with their product portfolio. Totally. You've seen that, you know, let's talk about wearables. I mean, they propose Google Glass. And it was this pure engineering feat, but they didn't think about the social implications of, hey, is this guy recording me while they're wearing this Google Glass? You know, like, it was just kind of this weird feeling of wearing a Google Glass, and that's why it ended up being a market failure. Are they going to have the same troubles with Fitbit, right? Are they going to let Fitbit operate in its own, you know, strategic model and just provide the resources? Or are they going to try to give a Google spin on it? What's going to happen? You know, obviously they've done successful things with acquisitions before. I mean, you look at Nest, but are they going to have the same success at Fitbit? That's just kind of an open question. So I think for me, I really like Fitbit as a company. I really appreciate that they kind of pioneered this wearable activity tracker industry. I think that the challenges were really great. I think if they could just double down on those challenges and have it be more of a community-based Like gamifying experience, I think that's where they really shine. For me, like I don't think they necessarily need to focus more so on the hardware piece and adding all these bells and whistles in. Although I I realize that they need to offer some sort of competitive product, but the biggest value proposition was in the community. Having Fitbit being a robust, vibrant community of exercise enthusiasts or even just friends that are competing against one another is to me like the biggest value proposition and that in and of itself, I feel like isn't shining as much as it used to be. So I'm going to give it a 3.75. I still think it's a super awesome product, really strong in its space. I feel like it's made, had a couple stumbles in the, in the recent years, but really interested to see what happens with the acquisition. Awesome.
1: Well, those are our thoughts and we'd love to hear from you. So tell us more about what you think about Fitbit.
0: Yeah. And if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.